Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Richard Dennis, who's the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network trying to transform the financial services industry. In tech news, Instagram is testing hiding likes in the United States. It's been doing this in other countries already, and it's a fine balancing act for Instagram. On one hand, trying to de-emphasize the importance of likes because a lot of what they believe bad behavior, fake news, all these other things they think happens by trying to go after likes. On the other hand, social media influencer are fueled by likes, and so they're not very happy about that. So it's yet to see what the final outcome is going to be. Disney, on its first day of launch, announced that their system for Disney Plus streaming actually had many service interruptions. In fact, there was over 8,300 complaints that were lodged. Now, this isn't necessarily a new thing when it comes to service launches, but a company as massive as Disney, you would think that they would have put in safeguards to avoid this scenario from happening. Google announced that they will start to show on websites for those that use Google Chrome, whether a website is slow or not. And this is because you'll be able to notice how long it takes to load a page. It's all in the effort that they say in helping their end user decide whether to stay on a page or not. Now, this isn't completely altruistic. And what I mean by that is, I just learned that Google also has been indexing all their websites now with the mobile versions of the web. And so the faster that a mobile user can use Google Chrome and access a web page, the longer that they're going to stay engaged. And so that's the real reason why Google is doing that. In the last bit of tech news, if you're a Facebook app user on an iPhone, Facebook admitted that in their current release, they have a bug that turns on the camera without the user knowing. Facebook is urgently developing a fix and will push an update. But I just wanted to make sure that you were aware that your Facebook app on your phone might be spying on you. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Richard Dennis, who is the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network. Welcome, Richard. Hi, thanks. So, Richard, how did you get started in this space? What's your background? Well, it's quite an interesting one. So I started about six years ago, uh, foundation of my PhD. We were looking at the time at decentralized networks, specifically the Tor network as well. And we were looking then at problems facing Bitcoin at the time. And since then, we started the PhD off uh, trying to solve four key areas of blockchain technology, uh, speed, the scalability, the resources, and the security. And since then, we've carried on with the PhD. Uh, we developed the product from theoretical um, mathematical models to the actual live mainnet you see today. And uh, yeah, that's really been the last six years worth of just development. We've since then got listed, uh, onto the coinal. We have several use cases lined up, 
And yeah, we're now going out telling people about Templum. Great. And just to make sure we're, everyone's on the same page, Bitcoin is always identified as a cryptocurrency. And what people think about it is it got run up to a very high valuation a couple of years ago, up to $20,000 a coin. Now it floats in in the eight dollars to $10,000 range here or there. But what people don't understand when they try to correlate this with traditional finance or banking or even credit cards is that Bitcoin, the network and the speed is actually very slow. So when you're talking about the research you've been doing the last six years, trying to solve for this, you're thinking about addressing the speed and scalability of a network like Bitcoin, correct? Yeah, so we, we took the seven transactions a second that Bitcoin um, can, can do. So that was unacceptable even for, even for six years ago. And the Temptum's algorithm that Temple can do 120,000 TPS uh, being third-party validated on the mainnet. And the scalability as well is not just energy usage as well, which Bitcoin is dramatically higher than any other network I've ever seen. It uses the energy usage of small countries, whereas Temptum uses at the same size as Bitcoin would use the same as two US people per year. So it's dramatically smaller and it's dramatically quicker. And yet, as you add more resources to the network, um, the speed of the network as well would also increase. So by adding more nodes to the network, we actually get faster. This is something you don't really see with any other blockchain networks at the moment. Yeah. Is this a public blockchain or a permissioned blockchain? Nope. This is fully public. We are open source on GitHub. Anybody can run a node and participate in the network. Anything from nodes, which are normal um, laptops and computers, down to even had at one stage BMW cars running this as a node, even down to drones as well, and even smartwatches. <laughs> and just to keep anchoring on what people think about Bitcoin or even Ethereum, what model are you working off of as a coin? So, so for instance, proof of work, proof of stake? No, so this is another, this is another key element to the research um, since we integrate, integrated this. We do not have any proof of stake or proof of work. We instead use a randomness beacon, which uses um, quantum entanglement to create a truly um, random number. And this is truly random. It cannot, it's not done by computers anymore. This comes into the network, and we do one, each node will do one single calculation, and every node will independently be able to select the next, what we call a leader node, which will confirm the transactions. And because every node does this independently, and they all come to the same agreement, we can achieve consensus on who's going to be the next node um, without requiring high-energy wasteful computations, such as in proof-of-work, or high cost, as in proof-of-stake. That's fascinating. I think when people don't re- what people don't realize about Bitcoin is that the cryptographic models underlying Bitcoin have been around at least 40 years. Is that similar to your underlying hypotheses? No. So, joys of being a, a joys of lecturing in cryptography, uh, I, I always like the advancements in cryptography. And one thing we set out when we started this network we wanted to use the, the uh, cutting-edge networks and cryptography for, for going forward. So what we did, we looked at all algorithms, and the ones Bitcoin uses are out-of-date. While they're not um, securely broken yet, they're, they are highly likely to be in a few years' time. So we took the decision early on that we'd use um, algorithms and mechanisms that are quantum-resistant, 
uh, as such, we are using algorithms which are currently pending NIST approval for the next standard for the cryptography protocols. So this will now really secure this network and future-proof this network for the next 20 or 30 years. And we won't be in a situation where a lot of the other old-school networks would be where they're going to have to start updating their, their uh, cryptography. And um, this will cause issues then further down the line. We really want it from the ground up from day one. This is a network we built ready for the next 20 or 30 years, hopefully longer, not something that needs to be redesigned in the next two or three years. Richard, I'm intrigued, and I, I thank you for the start of the show. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. I'm joined with Richard Dennis, who's the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network. Uh, we're talking a lot about the underlying technology that Richard and team are using. And don't go away, because when we go back, I'm going to start talking about quantum computing. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Richard Dennis, who is the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network using alternative protocols. Richard, I have a question for you. How does quantum computing play into your solution? And what was the name? How did you get the name Temtem? So Temtem is, um, Temtem is derived from two elements of our technology, the temporal algorithm, which is an underlying architecture, and quantum, because we use a lot of quantum elements to the network. So we took the start of a temporal, the end of quantum, become Temtem. And we see quantum is not just uh, in cryptography terms, we use true quantum physics, in fact, because we do have an algorithm which uses spooky action at a distance, quantum entanglement, to create a source of randomness. We do have the uh, algorithms in place, the cryptography, the hashing algorithms, and the encryption algorithms, which are quantum resistant. So really from day one, quantum was a big thing for us because we do see in the next, say, five to ten years that quantum computing will, will achieve significant advancements. And, yeah, it's just, an, it's just a very exciting topic as well, especially with the research we were doing. It's just a great area to understand. So it's a big part of our, um, our network. All right. Well, thanks, Richard. So, Richard, I wanted to stay on this thread because quantum computing is very much a buzzword, a buzz term. You have Google, who just recently announced quantum superiority, and then you had IBM's research team saying, not so fast, we don't necessarily agree with the methodology. What's your opinion of where we're at in quantum technology? Uh, I think we're certainly a long way off it becoming mainstream. But I think the, and there's a lot of still, there's a lot of fundamental challenges that still need to be addressed. For example, error correction and mistakes um, around this. But I think it certainly is a, a evolving, um, evolving industry, an evolving topic, 
and one that has seen a dramatic increase in research uh, interest as well over the last few years. So it certainly is picking up development uh, as well as research. And I think over the next few years, we will start seeing um, solutions to these fundamental problems, which will now start allowing quantum computing to be used um, in a lot more day-to-day and meaningful ways as well, rather than just theory and research. Well, we, we spoke in the first segment about how your research led to Temtem and how you have uh, incorporated quantum principles into your technology. I want to pause that for a second. What's your take on the thought that once quantum is achieved, that established blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum can be easily hacked or cracked? I, I think it will happen uh, when quantum when quantum is actually mainstream. When quantum becomes almost mainstream, I think very well. It will dramatically reduce the um, time needed to crack the public-private key pairs of these algorithms. But I think quantum computing brings a, a much wider threat model to the wider world. With, for example, SSL, the Internet uh, security models of HTTPS as well, also being under threat, as well as banking as well. So, while it will in, while it will impact blockchain technology, I think it will also impact the wider tech spaces as well at a much greater level. What are some of those impacts you see? I'm, I'm curious. Ba- basically, anything with uh, that uses modern day cryptography will be won't be broken. But the time needed to uh, crack these ciphers will be um, reduced by a major factor. So rather than taking uh, tens of millions of years to crack a single key, you could get it down to a uh, number of days. Well, you're an expert in cybersecurity and cryptography. So then the question comes, it's always a cat and mouse game. While quantum is a threat to existing methods and can crack things a lot quicker, even in days, will there be new technologies such as yours that can actually stay ahead of the curve from new threats? Yes. Yeah, so right now, um, I know, for example, we submitted a few algorithms to NIST. This is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And they right now are conducting research into finding the next standard for cryptography before quantum is even released. Mm. We know what it's capable of. We know how to solve these issues through the math models. So we can already now prepare for the arrival of and the advancements of quantum. And it's certainly something that's been done today and it's it's been taken very seriously by the researchers um, adopting the next next models, if you like, the next standards for for a post-quantum world. When do you think NIST will come out with those standards? I mean, NIST is constantly doing research. When do you think they'll publish those new standards? So uh, last I uh, was aware with NIST, it's gone through to round two of the competition. They did this. uh, They do several iterations where they select algorithms based on, for example, security, on implementation, uh, on speed and security. Um, So I see it. Well, it's a very um, thorough process. It will be in the next few years, certainly, maybe the next two or three, where I would see a new sta- certainly a new standard emerging, even if it wasn't fully confirmed yet. Thank you. So back to Temtem, and we had talked about how your quantum-based technology differing than something like Bitcoin or with Ethereum. How do you find people 
receiving this, and how do you get them to understand the difference? Uh, so right now we've had a, some great uh, feedback and some great user uh, interactions with Tempter. They are particularly liking the speed in which um, the network confirms transactions, as well as how low energy this is and low resources is. So you can run this on dev any devices, including mobile phones, even down to we had smart cars running this as well. So, so far, um, people have really embraced Tempton well. Uh, while they do their own research on the ability of Tempton, they are, we are finding a lot more engagement in the community as well, as people understand and learn more about the technologies involved. So, Richard, before we get into the next segment, which is the last couple of minutes we have left in this one, I wanted to talk about the decentralized finance or DeFi properties of Temtem, how is that going to revolutionize finance as we know it? So what we're seeing right now is the current technology behind finance is out of date. You see, for example, the next three or five days to clear a payment. And what we're seeing right now as well in the industry is people and companies are looking, at, looking forward to how they can speed up this process, be a lot more clearer, as well as be a lot more open with the um, technology and, uh, and source of funds, if you like, or route of funds. So what we're seeing right now is a need, uh, a need in, the, in the industry to go forward for blockchain technology. They're loving the blockchain idea. There is no actual architecture right now capable of providing these, these financial in institutions what they need. We do see, for example, Ripple do some great work, but again, it's... The actual underlying technology is not there yet. And what, what we've seen with Tempton has been very well received with these industries and with these uh, institutions because it does provide the speed that they used to. It provides the security that they want going forward and they require. So it really is just a great way right now going forward in this industry, especially with people becoming a lot more mobile. Uh, mobile payments are such a big thing. There's a... There's a a requirement now, especially with Gen Z, the younger generation as well. Hey, Richard, let's let's pause there and let's keep on going in our next segment. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Richard Dennis, founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network. And when we come back, we're going to go right deep into what the technology is about and how to use it. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 828 7846 That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Richard Dennis, who's the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network trying to transform the financial services industry. On this week's Cyber Tip, I want to talk to Windows users, which is a lot of people, about a vulnerability called BlueKeep. Now, if I've said it once, if I said it a thousand times, it's never enough. You should always be patching your systems, which means keep your software up to date. Bluekeep in itself isn't necessarily dangerous 
in that it's actually an exploit that's being used to crypto jack or mine cryptocurrencies if you're infected. The problem is that it can lead to more vulnerabilities. And what do I mean by that? So Bluekeep is using an exploit of RDP or remote desktop. And if you don't know what that is, uh, like me, I used to log into my dad's computer from a remote location so I could fix it. That's a feature that's built into older versions of Windows. If you don't have it patched to the latest, conceivably a hacker can try to exploit that. And even if they're not being overtly trying to damage your machine, it can crash your system. And that's in a good case. Now, if you get a malicious hacker who is actively trying to hurt you, they can absolutely take control of your machine and mess with it, hack your computer, um, or just destroy it completely. So, as always, CyberTip is to maintain the latest patches of your software, whether in this case Windows or in other systems like Apple. And that's the CyberTip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Richard Dennis, founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network. Welcome back, Richard. Hi, thanks. Richard, in our last segment, we were just starting to get into how millennials and Gen Z could really benefit from this platform. But I think I wanted to go back and how do people get engaged with Temtem to begin with? Right, we've got some great communities being built. Uh, we have a Telegram community. Twitter's very active as well. Um, on our GitHub and our, on our website, you can see our documentation and our code as well. So you can build um, platforms that interact with Temtem. And we really are now trying to just build a uh, much bigger community as well. So you'll see now over the next few months a lot more um, content from us as well going out. So just keep your eyes out. And, uh, yeah, should, uh, should see some news. Thanks. And regards to community, community is also often very important, of course, to blockchain ecosystems. Um, you know, what's different about other projects is you've already built your software, you're ready to go and you're ready to engage. How has that affected the way you think about finding participants and finding investors? So we were fortunate enough to have a group of, a group of uh, guys put in a significant uh, amount of cash to fund the project several years ago. And that means now we're not just a white paper raising money now and telling, it, telling the world will solve all the problems in the next five or ten years. So we funded this a few years back. We developed everything, and now we're going to the market with a finished product. Right, this works. We have the web wallet launched, so anybody can go on the website and use our wallet if they don't want to use uh, Coinos wallet. We have the web, the iOS and Android wallets being launched soon. So what we're seeing here is when we go to talk to investors or strategic partners, they're very much... This is not something that is seen in this industry very often. It's a fully working um, network. We have all uh, we have everything built already, all APIs and SDKs ready to connect to us. So it makes the deployment of this technology a lot easier. So people now, rather than work on just basic proof of concept, they can now really integrate this with live networks, like existing, existing programs as well. So it's actually making our lives a lot easier. Because we now have, we show fundamental working products, working partnerships, and this is not just a theory at all. And because we've built this, 
we've had it tested by BSI in the UK, we can show that all our claims are valid. This is, there's no arguments anymore that, okay, this is just a white paper that won't be able to achieve what it set out to be. We've achieved everything. It's already built. And just but, just uh, so I'm clear, BSI in the UK, what authority do they have or what authority do they represent? So BSI is a British Standards Institution. Got it. Uh, they are a security, uh, they do many roles. And one of the roles which we work with them on is code validation, code security, uh, validations of our claims. For example, our transactions for the second claims, they've tested it themselves on the mainnet and validated our claims are correct, as well as implementation of our cryptography as well. They test everything from security of the code, security of implementation, and claims we make. Thanks. And I think it's really important what you said is that you have a finished product, and this isn't relevant to the ICO craze of a few years back where companies were getting funding and investment dollars, and they had not even yet built their product. So this is different than that. This is a finished product where people can actually go on your website, engage with the product, and see how it performs. So with that, what are some of the partnerships that you've developed already? So we've, uh, we had a great partnership with Rubet. They have an online gaming platform, and this was one week after launch. And what we saw here is we allowed the users to use uh, Temptum to um, use their website. And because of the near-instant near confirmation times of 12 seconds, you saw a lot more user interaction, a lot more user engagement. And we actually saw a switch on this platform from Bitcoin and Ethereum to Temptum. And we achieved 50,000 users on our platform within two or three weeks. So it was a significant uptake. And people liked the speed and liked the security of the element of our network. And we, it was a very nice, very nice uh, use case. And we have since then gone on and expanded our use cases. We're currently in talks with other major partnerships, if you like, to use the Temptum token and Temptum network for their benefits. It, what's interesting, which is often the case in technology, gaming, online gaming, or different forms of gaming, and also um, massive online, play, online games are great use cases for blockchain and Actually, some of the most successful decentralized applications on these blockchains are driven by gaming. So it's not surprising to hear that your own product is doing so well. Yeah, it certainly is. And while it was a very great use case for us, just showing off the speed and just getting a soft launch, if you like, just just see how it would handle under load, this ain't... I would like to say it's not a, a gaming coin of all sorts, it's a payment token. So it's just one use case of multiple use cases we have in which this token can really be adopted and used in the way it should be used. And in this case, just going back to gaming just briefly, your company didn't require any of the gaming licenses that the end customer had to use, right? Correct. We're just a payment token. Um, they, the online casino that used this just used, integrated with us, the same as they integrated with Bitcoin. It's just a payment mechanism. But yeah, while our company did have required licenses, we were not required to have any uh, licenses like that. Okay. And so what are some of the other use cases you're about to talk about? 
So it's mostly around uh, financial services. So, for example, running the backbone currency of their national currency. This is a very interesting, very exciting use case for us, where the, the country in question would issue a currency, but I'll be using the template network behind it, as well as other use cases around esports and a payment system as well would link to a template debit card. Oh, okay. And the debit card issued by you or by the underlying bank? So right now we're just working on a partnership where we would be able to issue a Temptum debit card, which would hold Temptum, so you could go into Starbucks, tap your attempted debit card. But the main thing here is you could use any POS device. You wouldn't need to modify any POS devices at all. It would be fully compatible with Visa's um, network or MasterCard's network. And the um, people in behind so in Starbucks, in for example, they would receive US dollars like they used to, but you would be able to use your Temptum in any shop, anywhere in the world. So that's a very great use case. We're having some great discussions around this. And yeah, hopefully in the next few months we should see some uh, great uh, advancements in this in this space. That's exciting. But what I question for that follow-up is, are you the issuer or you're partnering with an issuing agency? So it's more of an affinity card. It's a Temtem debit card, but you're not issuing the card under Temtem. Well, ongoing conversations right now about how the deal structure will be made. Okay. Um, it, it's looking like it would be, we'll, we will partner up with the bank and they will issue it on our behalf. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a former banker and a technologist, so I, I ask these questions because it's super fascinating how different companies um, figure these the infrastructure out and then what they need to do for the regulations and the jurisdictions they operate in. And so that's why I was asking you those questions. So then, all that works out. How does is is it very straightforward then to get into the point of sale systems with us, say a Starbucks? Yes, yeah. Um, we have the technology behind us that allows us to fully integrate with the existing payment networks, for example, Visa networks and Mastercard networks as well, in a way which is fully compatible with current regulations. So you don't need to change. The key thing here is. There is no change needed to how anybody operates. So current point-of-sale devices wouldn't need any updates or any software updates like that. As far as they're concerned, it's just pure, normal debit card transaction. It just happens to be that this is a Temptum transaction rather than a U.S. dollar transaction. Great. So, Richard, what I want to say is this is very exciting, and I fully support the advancement of blockchain as a technology, and I think it's very interesting because I think most people still think of pure cryptocurrency, think of Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they don't understand that really blockchains are parallel universes. And with effective adoption, effective uh, technology and use cases, it doesn't matter that the other ones exist. It can exist on its own. It can partner with other platforms. So I think that that's great. And with that, we're actually out of time. So I'd love to have you back on in the future. Yeah, I'd love to be on. Thank you very much. So once again, I've had Richard... Dennis, who is the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network trying to transform financial services and other use cases. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back.
The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, joined with Richard Dennis, who's the founder and CEO of Temtem, a decentralized network. Welcome back, Richard. Hey, thanks. So today on The Pivot, I want to talk about how to bank the unbanked. And there's a lot in the news about how to do that, especially Facebook, which announced the Libra Consortium. And what was originally 28 or 29 different companies and very large companies have now backed out, including Visa, MasterCard, Stripe, and others. Um, I wanted to talk about with you, Richard, because this is something you're very close to, even with your own technology, but just something you're very passionate about. What do you think about banking the unbanked? I think it's kind of the end dream of what this technology can do. So what we saw with Libra uh, libraries they're going to face a lot of regulatory issues, as you've seen around Europe right now and the U.S. And the technology is great, but it doesn't actually solve the issue of, for example, these countries, some of these countries in Africa have only one bank branch per half a million users, while there's 16 million people living in the country. Yep. But these 32 banks, branches, are not well, um, well placed in the country in one square kilometer. So it really is a very centralized thing. And to get the currency and the, this technology out to the people in the, um, out in the countryside, they're not going to be able to have access to these technologies because they're still using, for example, uh, feature phones, we see, uh, because they don't have a reliable internet connection. They don't have a reliable source of even electricity. So what we did is tempt them. We took this idea and we saw the problem. So we designed and implemented and launched an SMS system mm-hmm. where anybody can send Temtem to anybody else. So it is as simple as sending a text to somebody else. And because we can do micropayments and there's no fees, we can provide the ability for anybody in the world to send as little as one cent or even less to everybody else just by using the text system. And this is where this technology really helps the unbanked. So you have the ability now, you're giving them the ability for the first, maybe the first time to control their own finances. They have the, te- they have the security and the network behind them of Temtem. They have all the advantages and they can use their existing phones and existing systems as well to pay for goods and services. And what we project in doing this, this would help the economy grow. It would also then help people who maybe never never banked before, they would also now have an account where they can start managing their money a lot better. And this then would hopefully then uh, stimulate the economy and help these these countries really grow. Yeah, I think that's really what's interesting is I think because especially in, we'll call it the Western world or developed nations, they lose sight about the half of the population of the planet that doesn't have access to these services. I know a lot of traditional remittance companies, whether it's uh, South America 
Southeast Asia or even Sub-Saharan Africa, there's different costs involved with trying to get money from the United States or Canada to one of those countries. I know that in Sub-Saharan Africa, it could cost you up to 18% of the money you send or remit over there. And so having just a mechanism to safely and securely send funds that people can use. And I really liked what you brought up because people don't realize that even in a place like Sub-Saharan Africa, you might be charging your mobile phone and relying on that electricity for days and days because you can't just charge it. There's, there's nowhere to charge the phone. So um, a SMS platform makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it's what I saw when I went out, went out to Africa is some of these places might not have electricity for four or five days. And that's the reason why they have these feature phones with a battery life for seven, eight days. And that's why you can't expect them to use smartphones or internet-connected devices. They just don't have the infrastructure there for this. And we, we can't exclude um, users like that if, just because they cannot have the latest technology. So it's important that this technology is backwards compatible and it really allows people to use this and have the benefits of this kind of technology. So, Richard, with just the minute we have left in today's show, what do innovators like you need from governments and other technology providers in order to make this vision of banking the unbanked a reality? I think it's just uh, education now, where we go to start educating people on the technology advantages and clear regulatory frameworks as well in place. So you don't end up in a situation like laborers found themselves in. Going up against regulators, I think by working with these, working with governments and working with the regulators, they will, you'll be able to implement this a lot faster, a lot smoother as well, and it would be welcomed as well, rather than going against and trying to fight these guys, because that's just not going to help the advancements in this in this field. Well, Richard, once again, thanks for being on the show today. It was really enlightening on the things that Temtem is working on and in especially how do you bank the unbanked. If you're trying to find more information about Temtem, you can look at their website, which is temtum.com. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm Keith Koo, Richard Dennis, founder and CEO of Temtem. If you have any questions or comments about what we discussed on today's show, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll see you next week. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN.